before we get started with the panel, which is all about uh, planning for 2024, which I know is a big question for everybody, how do we think ahead for 2024, coming off uh, some very interesting years, generally with pretty good sales. Uh, and the panel will have a lot of very uh, intuitive thoughts on that. But before we get to the panel, I wanted to share a few pieces of information that I heard at the Cultivate event this year from our industry's resident market researcher, Dr. Charlie Hall. So Charlie talked about the research that he's done with growers and retailers in the last few months, getting a sense of this current spring season. And I'll just share a few tidbits because it was really energizing. And if you were not at the keynote at Cultivate, I think it's definitely worth repeating. In general, he said, our industry is experiencing ebbs and flows, but consumers are buying, landscapers are installing, and builders are building. So those are all positive indicators. He said spring 2023 was good for most in our industry with 76% of growers reporting increased sales versus 2022. So 76% up, another good number. And 100% of growers surveyed indicated sales were up compared to 2019. So if we dial it back to 2019, compare this year, 100% of growers surveyed said sales were up. Bottom line profit was up for 69% surveyed and 78% reported unit sales were up. So that's units. I think some of the increases are attributed to price increases. And if you're increasing your prices, good job. Transaction counts are up at garden center retailers. So we're keeping a lot of the new shoppers that we attracted during uh, the last three years. Supply chain seems about back to normal. And Charlie predicted your costs. So your, your costs on inputs will be up about 1.6% this year. So compared to the past couple years, that's really positive, but compounding with the past couple years, costs are still up. So that means price increases are necessary. Uh, a couple macro uh, thoughts. The U.S. has a historic level of people between the ages of 25 and 35, which bodes very well for housing and thus for our industry. And the excess savings or capacity to spend is still very high for middle and upper class Americans, which tend to be our dominant customer base. So thinking about those positive indicators for next year, I'm gonna kind of start now with our panel, who's gonna talk, bring it down to a little bit more detail of what you could be thinking in your greenhouse. So introducing our panel real quick, uh, the gentlemen in red shirts are Brent and JP. They are the co-owners of Countryside Flower Shop and Greenhouses, with locations right around here in Elburn and Crystal Lake. When I talked to them, they indicated they grow 45% of the product they sell with plans and goals to grow more. And perhaps they'll talk a little bit about that, the benefit of growing your own product. But when I asked them their roles and responsibilities, it was kind of funny because they said, well, we really don't have titles. And a lot of times we do each other's jobs, but which is probably like a lot of you, they wear many hats, they do it all but with a great team around them. Uh, JP tends to uh, focus more on the financials, labor, profitability, and Brent focuses a lot on the greenhouse planning and IT. But again, I think they change hats a lot, like many of you do. Our other panelist in the middle, you may recognize him, Jim Kennedy from Ball Seed. He is the national sales manager for Ball Seed. Uh, 
But he's also a plant guy and a greenhouse guy. He said that's how his dad always referred to him. He was a greenhouse guy. He grew up in a family greenhouse in New York. I can assure you he is a, he is a tech nerd when it comes to solving problems in the greenhouse. He loves to answer technical questions. So if you see him around today and you have one to stump him, go for it. He probably knows the answer. And he's also a plant guy who knows a lot about all the varieties you're seeing on in the gardens, among many other things. So very quickly, I want to welcome our panelists. And maybe let's start by, uh, can you guys talk a little bit about how you created your plans for 2023 and what went into that planning and how did it go? And why don't we start with JP? Talk a little bit about creating plans and how it went last year. Okay, I hope uh, you guys can hear me well. Um, what we normally do is on the end of the season, in a sense, uh, let's say upcoming week, the week after, uh, August is normally not our busiest month. We sit down with the team and we discuss, okay, what happened in 2023? Uh, well, we did that in 2022 also. Uh, based on what we have still fresh in our minds, uh, that's kind of how we start to organize the planning for the following year. Brent, do you want to add any details? Because I'm sure it goes uh, can go deeper than that too. <laughs> yeah, actually, what what we typically do is get everybody together and we all argue for like two hours straight. And uh, as an owner, I, I get outvoted often so i listen to my team because i always tell everybody always tells me and i tell myself hey if we grow only what i like to grow we'll be broke who, who here can relate can anyone relate to that as owners you get outvoted a lot i bet i bet the answer is yes jim how about a little bit about uh you know from a dis distributor or your your kind of big picture view of north american growers talk a little bit about how planning works yeah, in the planning process for 2023, it started for us probably about 24 months ago when we start planning our stock farms and we start planning our seed purchasing, seed forecasting. So it takes a little bit of guesswork, uh, but we use a lot of data to try and make our decisions about uh, our purchasing and our planning process. So then we, we gain a lot of feedback from you, our customers, as we kind of work on finalizing our budget for that fiscal year. So at about this time last year, there's a lot of product that was getting dumped that did not get sold through. There was a lot of weather impact on our spring in 2022. So we took a lot of that into our plans for 23. There was also significant inflationary pressure going into the fiscal year of 2023. So we had to take that into account as well as we we're working on our budgeting and our sales plans in terms of units. So we had planned that pricing was gonna to have to go up because costs were going crazy. We had a feeling that units would be flat or slightly down based on the amount of product that was getting dumped. And we hoped that the consumers would still buy in this higher inflationary environment. And then as that panned out, the weather in 2023 was great. The consumers did buy and we did sell less plants but our customers had significantly higher sell-throughs. Our customers were more profitable in 23, and that made 23 a great year for us. Excellent. Well, it's always good to look back, but we're really here today to look forward. So let's talk about 2024. And I walked around Cultivate. I've talked to a lot of growers. Uh, in, my, in my role, I talked to a lot of people around the industry, and I'll say the number one question that I hear is, how do I plan for 2024? 
do I plan, you know, like it's a normal year? Is it going to be an astronomical year? You know, weather aside, how do I plan for 2024? So, so the, so you guys, how are you thinking about your 2024 plan? And uh, JP, I'm going to go ahead and start with you again. What, what are you thinking for 2024? Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, when this year started and the first week of April were cold, we thought, oh, what is going to happen this year? And it kind of turned out really, really well. Um, I, I think what we're going to focus on is just like everybody else, is keep, keeping a very close eye on our cost so that we don't have to increase our prices that much. That, that much. Uh, what we noticed in, in uh, the box stores around us that with all the costs they are dealing with, um, the difference is not that big anymore. They really had a huge price increase this year, what draw a lot of people to our stores and noting, they know that we're giving the service, the guarantee plans, we're, we're having a, a, a top-notch team helping out, so people prefer a Ghana Center above the box store. Um, and, and I see that trend going on. And what I hear is that, that Walmart is kind of heading, heading back a little bit in what they're doing. For us, 24, we're, we're going to add on greenhouses. Um, we have seen that producing our own product um, is just the way to go. Uh, the lower cost, uh, we did a, a lot of rooted liners. Well, now we're going more on rooted cuttings, sheet. So we're trying to uh, kind of el eliminate some of the cost there. Um, and, and what I see with our customer base, even now it's July, uh, when I look at our moms and the questions and requests we're getting for the fall time, uh, people are excited. I think they're gonna keep, keep growing plants. So we're definitely gonna keep um, the, the planning about the same, maybe a smidge increase um, uh, compared to this year. Uh, and I really think that's for, for us the way to go. Brent, do you have any uh, anything to weigh in or any thoughts on those comments or, or what you're seeing? Sure. So basically for on my end, um, it's going to be, okay, let's, let's analyze exactly what was a success. Let's capitalize on our successes. Um, items that have just grown stale, items that just don't perform, don't sell, all that kind of stuff. Let's start eliminating some of those so we can focus on, you know, selling the profitable items. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, when you only have so much space in your greenhouse and you only grow so much in that space, um, making sure that that space is utilized to the, to the max is absolutely key. So, but yeah, I agree with JP. Fairly confident it's going to be a good next year. And Jim, from a ball seed perspective and just from talking to hundreds of growers and uh, sales reps like you do, what are you uh, hearing or thinking for 2024? And Bill, what I'm hearing and thinking is fine-tuning. Those are the two words that come to mind for me for 2024, fine-tuning. We see a significant growth in categories like blooming tropicals, uh, things like mandevilla, hibiscus going completely crazy. But then categories like succulents, maybe flattening out, maybe not as much interest in some of those. So there's volatility within the product mix. But in terms of total units, what we're budgeting is a very moderate increase, like 1% or 2% increase in units. But the change within that is pretty significant in terms of products that are performing extremely well for the consumer on their patio, giving a lot of value to the consumer for longevity, uh, where they bring it home and it gets better and better throughout the summer. And I think that the whole supply chain is more focused on delivering value to that end consumer. 
So I think that's part of that fine tuning is really refining what works well for you as a grower, what's helping you be profitable, and then couple that with what works for the consumer. And I think that is really the, the big part of the formula for 24. And that makes sense if you think about it. There will always be changes in your product mix. Um, if there's not, then I think you need to, uh, to rethink that a little bit. I once heard uh, a grower say, well, I don't run my uh, business on a Commodore 64 anymore. I use the newest genetics, the newest varieties that are coming out for a reason. And I really like that. Um, and I, well, I appreciate what you said, Jim, about you know, focus on, on products that add value to that end consumer because that's really where you can increase prices because you're adding that value. So one of the things that everybody talks about these days is labor. And I don't want to bog this conversation down with the discussion about how hard it is to hire, but instead how to maximize the labor and the teams that you already have in place at your greenhouse. So with change and turnover a, a constant in any greenhouse, developing those teams and really developing the team members is really is more critical than ever right now. So talk a little bit about um, about how you go about training and educating your staff and team members and why this is an important investment and how does it pay off. Um, we'll leave this really open to anyone to, to jump in. You could talk about things that you do in your business or things that you've seen or heard in other businesses. Well, well yeah, like you said, and we all know that it's hard to find people, it's hard to find good people and keep them. Um, what we're seeing in our organization is that um, we're having a grow location and we have two retail locations, which means three locations, uh, about 45 minutes apart from each other. Um, I can never be at all locations at the same time, and I don't want to be at all locations at the same time. What we have done in the last few years is train our managers and give our managers the freedom to work with their team and set up the team they way, the way they like to set the team. We're, we're starting Monday mornings with the managers meeting where we kind of set up the week, kind of expectations, and, and we let our managers run their team. And, and I think that that piece of freedom, um, not going uh, directly to the people who work for our managers, but working through our managers, that has helped us a lot um, in, in, in the decisions we make on a daily basis and to keep, to keep it going. Um, we have been lucky that when we did a job fair, we had more people showing up than we needed, way more than we needed. No idea why, uh, we, but uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're having a good feeling there. Brent, you? So he just said he doesn't exactly know why. One thing that this industry is really, really good at is passion for plants. And uh, when you have a passion for plants, you know, you're, we're not working in a, uh, like, we're not a restaurant. So there's people that walk in our door, young, old, that are passionate for plants. And I think you definitely have to capitalize on that. Um, take advantage of the fact that, you know, somebody who's just gaining an interest in passion for plants, somebody went to school, somebody who's a professional, um, you know, work with these people, teach them, encourage them. Um, that's the biggest thing I think uh, that this industry has an advantage over the rest of the world around us. That's kind of my two cents on that one. Yeah, it reminds me of a story. There was a, a person who was the, they started working at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel and they were working in the front desk and their main responsibility was to keep 
the customers coming in to the hotel satisfied, happy customers. They were running the front desk. But when that same person became a manager, their supervisor said to them, now your main responsibility is the happiness of the people working the front desk. And so, well, I thought at the Ritz-Carlton, it was all about the customer. And the point was that the manager's responsibility now was the development of that team member so that the team member at the front desk would keep the customer coming in the front door satisfied. And I think for you as business owners, as business leaders, leaders in your organizations, think of the impact of your people on your culture. What does your company stand for? What does your organization stand for? And your people are the ones that deliver that to those that are engaged with your company. So that training and development and onboarding and the commitment that you have to, the, to that process really helps keep your culture alive. It makes your company stronger and happy team members make happy customers. And I think that's really a huge part of it, making the commitment to recruiting, to development, to engaging with the community, engaging with young people and all different ages, as Brent mentioned, to bring them in, to make them a part of your business. All excellent advice. So as we sit in a tent, in a garden, filled with thousands of beautiful plants that hopefully everyone has gotten a chance to go out and look at today and talk to some of the product experts out there in the gardens, we can't get off the stage without talking about new varieties. It's the lifeblood of our industry. It's probably the thing that makes most of us excited every year when you get to see what's new. So why don't each of you share a little bit about your favorite plants and concepts that you've seen that you think will make an impact in 2024? This doesn't have to be individual varieties. It could be categories of plants. It could be non-plants, but I prefer it to be plants. And and talk about what's exciting you a little bit for 2024. Whoever wants to start, go for it. Okay, I, I can start off. Um, while, while we have about five team members here, and before I came up here, I said, guys, I know that question number four is going to be, what have you guys seen? I just walked in here, to be honest, just before, just before lunch, so I haven't even seen anything. And, and, and one of them says, hey, JP, the, the dark leaf dragon wing begonia, that's what definitely one what uh, caught my attention. Um, so so I, I, I told the team that's what I'm going to tell. And, and actually, that's what's going to happen next week when we have our production meeting for next year. We're going to sit down and say, what have you guys seen? What, what item caught your eye? What do you think um, will work for, for 2024? What we have seen this year is, is um, more the brighter colors uh, and, and the mixed colors are really flying out of the door. Um, um, that's kind of mainly what I noticed. Brent, it's more his forte, so. So we're seeing a trend right now that I'm not real wild about, to be honest with you, um, the natives. Um, some people are real big into the natives and our, we keep seeing that grow, 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 and grow. And uh, I don't know, I like big, pretty flowers. I'm not so much into the stuff that looks like roadside ditch weed, but. It's all good. So yeah, we're definitely gonna do more of that. Like I said earlier, you know, hey, you, you grow what the, com the consumer wants. So we're taking those ditch weeds and then we breed them with other ditch weeds. We call those native ours. Yeah, so some of the things like the artisan echinacea. So echinacea is a native plant, but the artisans, the sombreros, and then the, the double deluxe on the, 
the double echinaceas are awesome. Uh, that's really exciting product with those, the double scoops. Uh, love those. A couple of my favorites are the Beacon Rose. It's one of my favorite new products. I love the story of Beacon with the downy mildew, highly resistant to downy mildew. The opportunity to bring impatiens back into the shade gardens of North America and throughout the world is super exciting. So the color expansions, new mixes with the beacons. And then from a scientific standpoint, I love the Cali Burst. I love the Cali Burst because of the science behind it. Uh, even if you don't buy a single Cali Burst, it would just understand the story behind it of a Petunia Calibrachoa cross that's mass produced by seed for the first time ever. And the scientific accomplishments in the first that go behind that and it performs phenomenally well in cooler temperatures. We have it throughout many planters, like right here in front of me, mixed with the E3 Easy Waves with the Caliburst Yellow. And it's a fantastic component in these mixes. It tolerates the cool temperatures. Like if you're rolling Easy Waves out into the, under the stars in the spring, you can mix that yellow in with them, roll it out under the stars with those Easy Waves, and it complements the habit and rolls with the culture. So great scientific breakthrough and really exciting from our partners at Pan American Seed, working with their colleagues at Ball Helix. And uh, I guess since I have a microphone, I'll tell you mine. If you go into the Darwin area and just look at some of the new breeding in perennials that we all know and love, that's what I get really excited about, is when breeders are working on crops to make them better for growers, but they also have tremendous consumer appeal and performance in the garden. So, Go out into the areas. If you see plants that you like and that really catch your eye, make sure you tell the folks out there representing the products because they love to hear that feedback and it's really, really energizing. So final question before we wrap up and let you all go back into the gardens. What, let, let's hear from each panelist one key, I guess, key to success or word of wisdom or something that you can impart beyond all the amazing things that you've said so far, is something you want to tell the folks in the tent right now that's going to help you be successful next year. JP, why don't you go first? We've been picking on you all, panel. Why don't you go first again? Wow. First, I have to see if I even will be successful next year, but I will do my best. Um, I've worked several, several years for one of the largest wholesale growers uh, here in Illinois and worked my butt off to get a nice product and then go to the, go to the store and kind of get disappointed with what I'm seeing. For me, the key of success is that we're growing a plant, we're treating a plant the right way. We make, we make a plant our customers like, and we give service to our customers while they're debating buying that plant. And then in the background, we have the tool called marketing to say on the radio, hey, you know I have plans. Put it on the billboard. Hey, you know my plans already. Um, I think the key of success in, in the business we're, we're running is that we're from the beginning to the end are, are in control and have every key component in, in our hands um, to at least try to be successful. So I'm going to try to be successful upcoming year. So grow the absolute highest quality you can Tell as many people as you can about it, and then service the heck out of them, I think is what JP just said. Brent, how about you? 
So yeah, a second on that one. And make sure, um, in all reality, we do all this hard work. We plant all these plants. They're beautiful. We sell them. Know your costs. You know, make sure that you're capitalizing on your customer base. Make sure that you're finding the price that you need to get for that plant and all the hard work that you did. Um, unfortunately, I think sometimes our industry has a tendency to undersell or, or under value the product and uh, not get what they they should be getting for it. So I'm not saying let's hey, go out there and charge way too much. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, definitely know the value of the product that you're growing. And don't be afraid to ask for it if your market will tolerate that. Jim, you want to you want to wrap us up with some words of wisdom or uh, thoughts of success for next year from a big picture? Yeah, it kind of builds on what Brent said about trusting the numbers. Trust the data. Listen to your customers. Customers are going to lead you to the success. The data will also lead you there to make good decisions. The, what I'd encourage everybody to do, think about the, your sales. And there's a book that we all read here at Ball that was called Profit from the Core. And the premise of the book is basically that 75% of your growth or success is going to come from your core product lines. So if you're known for doing annuals, 75% of your growth is gonna come from annuals. If that's perennials, that's your core growth. And in order to maximize your growth and maximize your success in 2024, push yourself outside of that core. Push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Think about what product line, what geography, what customer base, what can you pursue that's outside of your core in order to maximize your sales and your success in 24? And I think that's really the key is that growth happens at the edge of our comfort zone. And both as businesses, as individuals, growth at the edge of the comfort zone. So think about what are you going to do in 24 to push yourself outside of that comfort zone to profit from your core. Excellent. Well, I'm going to wrap up, let you guys get back out into the gardens. I will encourage you to go on into the building inside the cafe. There are a lot of resources in there from technical resources to Grower Talks Magazine, a long legacy at Ball, American Bloom. There's folks from American Hort in Hortica. Go on into the, into the cafe, check out some of the resources on the tables. It's air conditioned, right? Who wants that? Um, but again, thank you all so much for being here today. Anna Ball always says, we are happy to have you here in the gardens and you can pay us back by giving us advice, telling us what you see, telling us how we can do it better. But above all else, thank you so much for your support and for being great customers of this business. Thank you, let's give a round of applause to the panelists.